This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Danny, thank you so much for doing this. And it's funny because my last name is O'Neill also, and I can't tell you how many times I've been in a comic book store signing up for something or paying with my credit card, and I was asked, are you Denny O'Neill's nephew, or do, are you related to Denny O'Neill? And I always have to say, no, sorry. But I wanted to ask about Robin. I know I've seen you on some interviews take some flack for the one kill jason todd thing, but – that's what got me into comics. That's that was that got me into a comic book store. It got me to buy my first comic and I've been buying it ever since. So for me it's the greatest thing you ever did. I wanted to know after Jason Todd was killed and the decision to to bring Robin back but but do a new Robin, Tim Drake and make him very different from Jason Todd. When was the thought process of how Tim would be different and did, did that develop over time or or was there a clear game plan? We're going to make Tim a lot different than Jason Todd. Well, it was was pretty much ad libbed. Uh, Janet Kahn and I were sitting in a great big old mansion uh, in the mountains, about twenty miles from here. We'd had an editorial retreat, which is a valuable tool for an editor. I, I, Jeanette was, I think that was the only time she ever came along on a Batman retreat. But what you do, since it's now very important to the genre, that continuity be straight and names and places and all those little details be consistent, that becomes a storytelling tool. I kind of resisted it at first, and one of the real great old-timers lost his job because he refused to do it. He said, you know, like, Mm. I don't care if... Batman and Sergeant Rock could not be in the same place at the same time. It's a hell of a story. So he got fired, and the guy who fired him very regretful. But that that had become part of what we do. The way I usually did it was, you know, get the writers and a couple of the artists who were involved in the storytelling together. We went usually to Terrytown, which is just across the river from where I'm sitting. And for three days, we sat and with Jordan Gorfinkel taking notes on my laptop, worked out the story beats for the next six months. My assistants wanted me, uh, wanted us to work out every single panel, which is, by the way, the way that comic books were plotted before us guys came along. Julie Schwartz, if he was going to do a a hawk man say he'd, he'd plan on spending the day doing that. I would go nuts if I had to sit one place <laughs> for eight hours. And it was better for Julie. Uh, plotting for with Steve or Roy or me was no more than an hour. <laughs> so it gave, gave Julie a lot of time that he didn't have otherwise. 
And you go, how, well, how did I get into that by way? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we were we're talking about Tim Drake and and how oh, yeah, the characterization it, came and and you were on a, a, a editor's retreat with Jeanette Kahn um, discussing. Yeah, and Tim one Drake. of us, I don't know if it was Jet or uh, Jeanette or me, it doesn't really make any difference. Had this idea all of a sudden. It could have been uh, Bob Kane. Bob Kane uh, might oh, have. Yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this kind of ethereal, transparent thing up here <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the room. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Oh. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 115. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, whom is celebrating 80 years this year. We're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net and BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can find us. You can get a hold of us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We have an Instagram page as well. You can email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com and also have a newly launched Blogspot page. So to give a little bit of extra content, Context and more show notes and pictures and different things about Tim Drake, and it also ties into Young Justice. So I'm calling it the ELTD Network. You can find us over there at everyone loves the drake.blogspot.com. So again, some more resources for you for the podcast, and there'll be some more essays and some more reviews and different things all about Tim Drake that we don't necessarily get to do over at the Batman universe. that's hosting the show, but the links for the show will take you directly to the Batman universe.net. So definitely check that out. Everyone loves the drake.blogspot.com. So this show is more of a somber show, but also a celebratory show. We're going to be talking about the passing of uh, Denny O'Neill, who was born May 3rd, 1939 in St. Louis, Missouri, and passed away on June 11th, 2020. So uh, not more than about three days ago from the time of this recording. So I wanted to 
uh, read a couple little portions of some things that I have here before we get into the body of the show. And this first thing is just the biography section from the newly released Batman, the 1989 movie adaption. It has a little bibliography in the back for Denny O'Neill. And I, I liked this one of all the ones that I've read recently. Dennis O'Neill began his career as a comic book writer in 1965 at Charlton when then editor Dick Giordano assisted him on several features. When Giordano moved to DC, O'Neill soon followed. At DC, O'Neill sculpted several stories for Giordano and Julius Schwartz, quickly becoming one of the most respected writers in comics. O'Neill then earned reputation for being able to revamp such characters as Superman, Green Lantern, Captain Marvel, and Batman, who Denny O'Neill helped with Neil Adams and Giordano brought back to his roots as a dark, mysterious, gothic Avenger. Besides being the most important Batman writer of the 1970s, O'Neill served as both editor for Marvel and DC. After his long tenure with group editor of the Batman titles, he then retired to write full-time. And the other segment I would like to read is from Batman Lonely Place of Dying's Forward, also written by Denny O'Neill. If you can check this thing out, it's actually... He writes a very fantastic piece just about... Robin's history as a whole, and I won't read the whole entire thing. It's about three pages long. And I'm just going to read the last couple paragraphs in this, which I I think is also very fitting for this as well, Uh, since this is Robin, Everyone Loves a Drake. Uh, The uh, paragraph starts as, We had promised to abide by the telephone pole, and we would. But within a few days, it became apparent that we'd begun growing another Robin. We'd forgotten that Batman exists outside the pages of our comics is not the exclusive property of DC Comics editorial staff because he is both popular and impressionable. Hundreds of others have legitimate interest in him, not the least of whom who are our readers, who for one reason or another had missed the voting. Our media may have kept him alive, but others have added immeasurably to his success. When we began hearing from others, the consensus was that Batman without a Robin wasn't quite a Batman. I was surprised, nor did I disagree particularly. So our problem became how to create Robin 3 without generating the hostility that plagued poor Jason. Dick was the answer. If we ever thought that the readers felt that Jason somehow usurped Dick's place, then we should link the new Robin to Dick. Give Robin 3 his predecessor's stamp of approval. One writer had almost done all of Dick Grayson's material DC had ever published for a decade, Marv Wolfen co-creator with George Perez of the New Teen Titans. That made Marv the first and really the only choice to undertake the task of giving Batman a new partner. And if we were using Marv, why not have some of the stories happen in the pages of the New Teen Titans, which he was already writing, and thus be able to take advantage of the very considerable talents of Marv's collaborator on the Teen Titans, George Perez. George volunteered to co-plot the story with Marv to do the layouts for the Titans episodes, and editor Mike Carlin enlisted Tom Grummet and Bob McLeod to complete George's graphic work. As I asked the regular Batman artist Jim Aparo and Mike DiCarlo to handle the Batman issues, finally, we chose the name for Robin 3, Tim Drake, and after a couple of editorial conferences, six gifted gentlemen retired to do what they do best. The result, seemingly worthy to be collected between the onset covers to be read as a graphic novel. We decided to do that, and you're holding the result. I hope you enjoy it, but please don't think that this is the end for the Robin 3 saga. Dick Grayson lasted 50 years, after all, and Tim Drake does have his blessing. Denny O'Neill, April 1990. And now, welcome to the show. 
listening to this podcast, uh, Denny had passed away about a week ago. And uh, we've got Terrence on the show. How are you doing today, Terrence? Yeah, doing pretty good. Kind of uh, a sad reason to get together to record, but it's kind of uh, fun to reminisce all the great things about Denny O'Neill's life and our interaction with him. As brief as it was, it was pretty <laughs> darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always thought of Denny Neal as our Stan Lee, in a way. Like when you were reading Marvel comics, you always saw Stan Lee's name somewhere on it in the eighties and early part of the nineties and stuff. And you know he was the voice of the Spider-Man and his amazing friends. DC didn't have properties like that where Denny was doing voiceover work, but I felt like any book that you were reading in that eighties, nineties time frame and seventies as well, and you know as far back as his career goes, was he was on like. DVD or actually DVD releases. I'm getting way ahead of myself. VHS releases. I remember buying, you know, the VHS for Batman 89 and like some behind the scenes type stuff. There's Denny O'Neill and his name was plastered all over the comics that we were uh, reading at the time. And I think we probably said it a million times on the show for the three of us. 89 was really kind of that 
big gateway of we either were just reading comics, you know, a year or so before 89 or right after the movie came out. And one of the first things I bought, and I have both versions of it in my hand right now, is uh, Batman, the 1989 movie adaption. And I thought this thing was... I remember going into just like a a little drugstore and didn't know that this existed and I wasn't really reading like Starlog or Comic Scene or Wizard or anything like that to know this was out. But like we've said before, you, there was just Batman stuff everywhere. So I think I fully expected to walk into the, you know, a little drugstore finding Batman something. And there was this, you know, movie adaption. I could see that the, you know, writer is, uh, says Denny O'Neill with Jerry Ordway and Steve Olaf, if I'm saying that name right. So I was like, oh, I, I think I remember that name. And I was just really impressed by the writing of the book. And then, you know, there are some scenes that are a little different. Then a year ago, they came out with the deluxe uh, hardcover edition of this. So uh, that was really my first, like, awareness of like, oh, I know that name. I, I've seen that before. And then like every book I would read after or before this came out, I was like, oh, there's Denny O'Neill as a writer. Now he's the editor. So what were like some of your early influences where you're like, oh, I, Denny O'Neill, I know that name. Yeah. So I think the very first thing I read as a comic collector was written by Denny O'Neill because I've said this many times on the podcast, the very first book I ever bought was the original first printing trade paperback of A Death in the Family, literally just mm. days or weeks after the last issue had come out, because Batman 429 was the last issue in that book, and 430 was my next book that was still on the shelf when I went to the store to say, like, hey, I'm addicted now. I need more. I need more. And <laughs> it was there. And if you open that first trade paperback, and I, I it's packed away, so I couldn't really grab it. There's an introduction. Do you think you have it? There's an introduction, yeah. right? And it's this introduction that I think is written by Denny O'Neill. Because I remember when I, I was like in eighth grade or so at the time, or ninth grade, and I opened it up, and I'm like, "Oh, there's reading. There's like paragraphs and words." Like, so I just, I little did I know you could just like skip that. I was just like, read page one, next page, and the author for that is like attributed it's some name, and he's like University of Gotham City or something like that, or Gotham City Historical Site. Because under Denny O'Neill's Wikipedia, it has his pseudonyms as Sergius O'Shaughnessy, which is funny because my last name's O'Neill and my mom's. Maiden name was Shaughnessy and <laughs> Jim Dennis. But um, did you just email me the guy's name? Oh, no, right. sorry. I, it's oh. in your a text oh, message. Oh, text sorry. message. Yeah. All right. So it's attributed to – where is it? Okay, yeah. Socrates R. Roder, Professor Emeritus of 20th Century History, Gotham University. So I started reading this and I remember like it mentioned something – I think I thought Robin's name was Robin. Like, I don't think I even knew. Like, on the Super Friends cartoon, which I watched like crazy as a kid, I don't think they've gotten to his backstory that much. And I don't remember, like, on 66, that much about the Flying Graysons and Dick Grayson as much or so. And I hadn't even read or thought about Batman in years and years at this point. So I remember, like, reading something in this and asking my mom, like, was the Robin on a... Batman, Dick Grayson, and she's like, I have no idea. Like, I remember her saying, that, like, how would I know? And then I realized, like, oh wait, this is a second Robin. This is 
Jason, what, wait, that it wasn't Bruce Wayne and Jason. Oh, this, oh, they didn't kill the real Robin. They just killed this <laughs> other guy who was Robin. So I remember like having that feeling in this, and then getting to the end and being really confused. I'm like, is there really a Gotham City, or is there a Gotham University? And I don't think I had any idea. Socrates, or as Bill and Ted like to call him, Socrates. So, <laughs> yeah, I kept wanting yeah, to say, I'm yeah. like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Socrates, uh, I don't even know. I don't think I knew who he was or anything like that. So my, my point of all this rambling is I believe that Dr. <laughs> Socrates S. Roder, which I wonder if we rearrange these, it'll spell something <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's Denny O'Neill, and that was Denny O'Neill. I think he was the editor at the time. But Slowly, as I started to read comics, Stan Lee had his uh, From the Soapbox in Marvel Comics. Denny O'Neill had a little piece in DC Comics, just the Batman titles, which at that time was just Batman and Detective, but it would say From the Den. And mm-hmm. it was just a little like, just kind of just, it could have been about anything and everything. And I was, that's kind of where I started to read and figure out, oh, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And then it wasn't too shortly after the whole Batman 89 and all that is when they came out with the Legends of the Dark Knight, which was such a huge deal of a new number one, which now there's like a number one every five minutes. But, right. <laughs> you know, a new number one and the, they were they were pumping it up as the first original Batman series since 1939. You know, that was a big thing. It was just the first one since 1939. And it was going to have this five issue arc to start off called Venom and it was written by Denny or Dennis O'Neill and that was when I was like making this connection of like oh yeah okay I know that guy and oh yeah this this must be important if he's the one doing it and then I don't know how but somehow some way I found out about his Green Arrow Green Lantern Green Arrow run and how just you know revolutionary it was and I got a very like 80s version of that. It was a trade paperback of the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run and uh, was really blown away by it, even though that was from, I'd have to look at the date. It may have been the 70s, but it was really has like a 1960s feel to it. But yet at the same point, it was it was dealing with a lot of stuff that um, was just you just didn't see in the other comics. And it's pretty remarkable to show what a, revolutionary and a visionary Denny O'Neill was in his writing because you could swear that like some of this stuff was just ripped out of the headlines today in 2020 mm-hmm. with you know the protests and and the Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on and there's a pretty remarkable panel I wanted to read it here for Denny O'Neill it's people have probably seen it a million times but it's Neil Adams art and Neil Adams you know has said in interviews he went to great lengths to make African Americans look natural and how they looked in real life because if you look at comics before Neil Adams the inking and the um, the coloring and the renditions were just not you know what people look like in real life and there's an o- older African-American gentleman talking to Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. He says to Hal Jordan, I've been, and these are Denny O'Neill's words, but I don't know if anybody knows, Denny O'Neill was a Buddhist and a child of the 60s, so to speak. (laughs) He says, I've been reading about you, how you work for the blue skins, and how on a planet someplace you helped out the orange skins, and you've done considerable for the purple skins, only they're skins you never bothered with, the black skins. I want to know how come. Answer me that, Mr. Green Lantern. And it's pretty remarkable 
seeing like heroes and seeing the super friends and the the heroes are always have their chest puffs out and their you know arms to the side and but here like Neil Adams art's amazing and and uh how Jordan just hangs his head and he says like I can't you know but then he says something here that I think a lot of people feel like and it, it says uh Denny's narration says, In the time it takes to draw a single breath, the span of a heartbeat, a man looks into his own soul and his life changes. And Hal Jordan says, Okay, maybe I've been a dummy, so tell me, how do I help? And then the gentleman says to him, I'm no advice committee. If you want to bad enough, you'll find a way. And I think there's a lot of people right now who actually feel like Hal Jordan feels like, Okay, tell me, what can I do? How can I help? How can... I make things better and, and do better. And considering that, you know, how Jordan is an intergalactic space police officer and everything going on with the police now and everything, it's it's a pretty remarkable read. And it's definitely decades ahead of <laughs> where where he was. Did you read that Green Arrow, Green Lantern series at, at some point? Yeah, I. It's it's been quite a while. It's probably been 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, since I have read it, and I think I actually picked it up from a library. It wasn't something that I felt like, oh, I need to add this to my collection, but after reading it, I'm like, maybe I ought to track down a you know, a trade paperback or something like that, but yeah, I, I really liked it, and I was looking uh, while you were talking there, and Denny and Neil's arc begins with issue 76 in 1970, and it ends with issue 122 in 1979. So they had a long span right there for the, uh, you know, the, the long traveling heroes as we, you know, one of the, the banners would say, but yeah, it's a, a fascinating run. And like you said, you could, with everything that's going on now, like you said, you could plop the social commentary right into this. And these two characters would, would work very well. And reading some of that, if like you were kind of jogging my memory, it's like that a lot of stuff is still sadly going on today. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely pretty amazing. Um, his his work was so vast. Like he uh, he wrote the um, Superman Muhammad Ali story. That's like a right. classic that'll go around forever. I feel like five hundred years from now, when people are looking back at American comics of the twentieth century, you know, Action Comics number one will come up, and Detective number twenty seven, and then uh, <laughs> I think Green Arrow, Green Lantern will be. I keep saying it backwards. <laughs> green Lantern, <laughs> Green Arrow, the, the Greens will be one that will come up and be like, "Look, here's a here's a moment where comic mainstream comics started to tackle social issues like racism, prejudice, police brutality." I think the, there's an issue there where they deal with Native American rights. There's an issue there where Speedy is addicted to heroin and dealing with the, the drug addiction. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. And I was talking about, you know, reading forwards and not going, oh, I don't know, I'm not supposed to be reading this. This isn't part of the story. One thing I did that with was The Lonely Place of Dying. And Denny writes the intro to the trade. I'm not going to read it here. Maybe I'll put it in poster or something like that. But just about the creating of who Robin is and what this new Tim Drake character was going to become or there their hopefulness wordy is the wrong thing. Like you could look at stuff and go, Oh my gosh, there's so much to read here. And he just rambles on forever. It, it's not like that at all. Like the two or three pages that this intro for lonely place and then uh death in the family, it, like it, it's its own piece. Like 
I would have spent cover price on that alone. So that's something I always really appreciated in Denny's writing that he, I never felt like he, he took this as like, okay, these are just comic books. He took them as serious as we read them. So the more serious he made all these characters sound and the way they talked, you're like, well, it's, it sounds like dialect that you would hear people talk. And he had different, you know, gone was the cookie cutter formula of the, the fifties and forties and sixties. Like, all right, we're just throwing this stuff out there. And, you know, for kids to read, they start, they came in in the silver age and we're like, no, we've, we want to treat these characters with respect and reverence. And that's going to transcend to, to our readers. And, you know, here we are, you know, some 50 years later from when he started writing to the huge, massive empire that for work he did with DC and Marvel is today. And something I was saying at the top of the show, getting, you know, Blu-rays and DVDs anytime there was, a VHS or a DVD or whatever, and there was interviews from creators, Denny was always in those. So I can remember the first time I saw a picture of him, you know, other than his little cartoon doodle that he would do or something like that, you started putting a name with a face and go, oh, that's that's Denny O'Neill and seeing him on the, you know, the red carpet for Batman 89 or Batman Forever. Are there stories that you have that you're like, oh man, this is really good as even if it was just an edited book or if you're like this is a really good denny o'neill story like where would you point somebody to something that means something to you well it's kind of funny because if somebody's really good at something for a long period of time they'll say oh he wrote the book on it you know like oh this guy wrote the book on it well denny o'neill literally wrote the book on writing (laughs) comics it's it's called the dc comics guide to writing comics and (laughs) it's written by denny o'neill and my library had it and i i I pulled took it out and read it and it's pretty fascinating and it's where i learned all all about the three-act structure of what's you know most uh, every movie and comic and thing you'll read and every Marvel movie is just like classic three-act structure. The thing that really stands out for me for Denny O'Neill, and it's funny because we were lucky enough to interview Chuck Dixon and he talked about how this was so classic Denny O'Neill <laughs> and it, it stood out to me um, even just like separate and then it's like, oh yeah, this is what Denny O'Neill did, was the ending for the whole Nightfall, Night Quest, Nights, mm-hmm. Everything saga, which was the big final battle between Bruce and Jean-Paul Valley and how it ended with, you know, Batman kind of using his brain to temporarily blind Jean-Paul and subdue him, but not beat him or kill him. And then Batman kind of at the end kind of forgives him and lets him go on his way to, you know, you're forgiven now, sin no more, like do, do better, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember that, but when I think Ryan asked a question to Chuck Dixon and he Chuck was like, that's such a Denny ending. That was such a Denny story. <laughs> and so that always stood out to me as just like a really brilliant way to end that whole Nightfall, Night Quest saga. I don't want to repeat, so I'm going to have a different answer. I mean, I, I liked that as well. I think Chuck had even said if he was doing it, it would have been this knockdown, drag out fight in the Batcave. They would have destroyed half the cave and, you know, winner take all type of thing. But I think that does do the exact opposite of what nightfall started. Like, well, why Batman doesn't kill. And then you got this Batman that's, you know, going around almost murdering people 
in John Paul, and then you bring it back to show this is who Batman is. This is why Bruce Wayne remains Batman. But one that I didn't read because I was way too young at the time, and I'm trying to grab it on my spinner rack real quick. They they started doing reprints of some of these issues, but it is Batman 232. So it's the one where it's uh, when I decide Robin dies, he dies. It's got like this green cover with, with Ra's al Ghul with his hands uh, sticking out. It, like you see posters of this and you could find like wood plaques at Hobby Lobby or Walmart to hang on your wall. But it's got a gun coming off into uh, just out of frame shooting Robin basically in the stomach. This is the tale I will haunt you forever. The daughter of the demon. So this giant oversized treasury edition I have has that story in the creation of Ra's al Ghul. And that's one of those characters that Daddy is known for with Talia and Raj. And I've always been really fascinated and like you said, with Denny being a Buddhist, he kind of works some of that stuff and the more mythical side of that in Ra's al Ghul. And then that gets translated into uh, Batman and uh, Batman the Animated Series episode, uh, that idea of that story. So that was one I always really liked before I knew, just watching the animated series, that this was also based off a book, and that book was written by Denny O'Neill. So, you know, it's it's a book, if you have it, it's really up there in price. So the closest I got was the three ninety nine reprint of it uh, late last year, as they were doing those for the 80th anniversary of Batman. But that's one I always really liked. Did you read the, basically, introduction of Rachel Gould's story ever? I feel like I did, but a really long time ago. I don't really remember it. Whenever I think of like that era of comics and Ra's al Ghul, I always picture like Batman with his blue cowl on and no shirt and just tons mm-hmm. of chest hair all over. <laughs> so I don't know if that was like, you know, Bride of the Demon or Child of the Demon or one of those things, Birth yeah. of the Demon. I don't, I don't know. But I kind of think of, you mentioned Tim Drake. I know, it's kind of hard to figure out who created Tim Drake because there were so many kind of like hands in it. I know, uh, you know, yeah. Marv Wolfman was the writer. In Wikipedia, it says Pat Broderick, but he did the art for year three, which Tim Drake is just like a kid at the circus there. I don't know if he really yeah. created it. I know Neil Adams did a lot of the designs. I always think Norm Brayfogle, you know, gets a, you know, has that first image of meet the new Robin kind of thing. But Denny O'Neill. So Tim Drake's got a lot of fathers, but it seems like Denny O'Neill feels like his grandfather. Like he was yeah. the old man overseeing, you know, I say old man, he was probably younger than us at the time it was going on, <laughs> or, or, or just about. He was probably in his 50s, probably when Tim Drake came out, if he's, he, he was, was 81, eight. and that was 30 years ago, so math-wise, he was 50, 50 which yeah. <laughs> at the time when I was in high school seemed like, oh God, he's ancient. And I'm like, that's not that old. Um, right. But yeah, I feel like... He, He's Tim Drake's grandpa, and I've said this a thousand times. When we got to interview Danny O'Neill, it was like listening to your grandfather or your uncle, (laughs) and he was telling us these stories that I had heard a thousand times. I heard on those DVD commentaries, and and I heard on Fat Man on Batman, but it was just so cool to like hear it again and hear it live from him. So I don't know if you wanted to go to when we interviewed him just yet, but yeah. the interview that we keep talking about that you're like, wow, where's that Denny O'Neill interview? And I know there, I got a couple messages 
that were saying, hey, I, you guys were talking about this Denny O'Neill interview. I can't find it in your podcast feed. And I was like, well, you're not going to because we've never released it. So long story short, which I think we've said this before, Ryan initially had set this up and wanted to dovetail into his Azrael podcast that he's been working on this whole entire time, but kind of waiting till they get through nightfall and get to Azrael because we were asking Azrael questions and then Robin questions and overall Batman questions. So we were going to split it up between three podcasts being our show, the Azrael show, and then some movie stuff over on Batman on film. And like with everything in life, sometimes, you know, the best laid plans, well, they kind of fell through the cracks. So I've been joking for a while, like, man, if we wait too much longer, Denny's going to be gone. And sadly, that's what happened. So I believe Ryan is hurriedly trying to get all that up. But we did have this interview three years ago, and I've not really listened to it other than I think I put a couple little blurbs after Denny's wife had passed away because he said some really sweet things about her there. And I thought, oh, that'd be really, really sweet to kind of honor the memory of his wife. So I pulled that little chunk out and put it in an episode. But Terrence, you said you got a chance to go back and listen to the episode. And hopefully you guys will hear it pretty soon. But you had some little factoids about some things I'd forgotten about during the interview. And just one last thing, it did make me feel like I was sitting listening to my grandfather tell stories I've heard a hundred times, but now he's 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 saying them to me. So that was pretty cool. Like, I think it happened twice talking to Chuck Dixon going, oh my gosh, I can't believe we talked to Chuck Dixon. And then going, I can't believe I'm talking to Denny O'Neill. Like that, that interview really blew me away that I was getting a chance to ask him a question, and it might take him an hour to answer that one question, but he he could have told me how Velcro was made, and I'd have been like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So what about Batman did you, <laughs> did you like? Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. So I'm going to say this because our, our good buddy of the show, Rich, uh, hey Rich, how's it going? <laughs> hey, what's up, buddy? I sent Rich the link to the digital files. They're just the raw, unedited interview. Mm-hmm. It's it broken up into a couple of different sections, and I think Rich started listening to it in the middle section, and I was listening to the beginning. So he was like texting through Facebook a couple of things, like, "Oh, this is funny." I'm like, "Wait, we're on different parts here." It was it was kind of funny because we were like getting all excited, like, and we hadn't really interviewed anybody before. Did we do? We did Chuck, Chuck. first, yeah. And yeah, so he was like, that was episode 51, and I think it was pretty shortly after, because I'm looking at the file here. So the file that I have, this was, wow, uh, May 18th, uh, 2017 wow. was when that was recorded, and the Chuck Dixon interview was episode 51. And just to give you a little perspective of where that is, uh, that file timestamp is, oh, so that was back in 15. So that was May 3rd, uh, 2015. So, Yeah, and on the recording, we say it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So I believe <laughs> I had things to do that I canceled, like, and... My wife helped out. I think my wife took off work so she could drive the kids after school or something. I you canceled something. You said then. that you took a half day at work. You're like, I took a half day or something yeah. like that. You know, so we were like waiting around all day for it. And um, what's 
This is kind of a funny thing. I, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but it was just kind of funny. The first thing Denny O'Neill said to us was like, oh, if we finally got him on Skype, uh, Ryan had to call him. And I'm not really sure how Ryan was doing it, whether he had like tin cans with wire, you know, string. <laughs> and he was doing something to get Denny O'Neill on the phone. And we were on Skype and he had bought like Skype credits and stuff. And the first thing Denny O'Neill says is he's hard of hearing and he, he can't hear very well. And you've got to like speak up. So I was like, oh, I, I hope this isn't going to be a problem. And then Ryan asked him a question and he heard that fine. But then the second who was the other guy who was on with us? It was uh, somebody from BOF, right? No, no that's uh, Matt Whaley. That would be okay. Ryan's co-host on uh, the Azrael podcast. The Azrael, okay. Yep. So Matt asked him a question, and he asked some, something about reinventing Batman in the 70s with Neil Adam. I guess Batman in the 70s. And Denny O'Neill goes, huh? Batman facilities? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh no, this is like, this is, well, he's not going to hear us. But I don't know why. For, he reset, said the question, and then from that point on, it was never a problem with his hearing. Right. But I just remember that moment of panic of like, he's, he's not going to be able to hear what we're saying. Oh no. But, and I, I told you this before we started, Ryan asks him the first question at four minutes and 25 seconds. And the reason why is because Rob did the whole <laughs> intro to the Drake. And I remember saying, Rob, don't do the whole intro because you're just going to re-record it anyway. And don't make yeah. Denny O'Neill sit there for it. And Rob's like, hello, welcome to Everybody Loves Drake. And I'm like, oh, no. And then you're like, you, you, you're going to everybody. You're like, hey, my good buddy, Terrence O'Neill, how you doing? I'm like, fine, good, go on. Like, I just said, <laughs> it was the shortest answer I've ever given you ever in the history of the podcast. I'm like, good, just get to, get to why we're here. And then Ryan says... Uh, to Denny O'Neill, we're, we're going to keep it to Batman. We'll stick to Batman. And then he asked him a question. I don't even remember what the first question was. Something about uh, can Batman work in different interpretations or something like that. And Denny O'Neill started talking at 425 and didn't stop answering the question to 31 minutes and 18 seconds into the <laughs> recording. And he talked about everything other than basically what Ryan asked him. <laughs> everything he said was golden. Like I was just sitting there like, oh my God, I can't believe, but I can't believe this here. And he even got in some jabs. Do you remember when he, he said, uh, he referred to Batman's creator, Bill Finger, like, do you remember, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I, th I feel like Bob Kane's get the pendulum swung too far on Bob Kane. I feel a little right. bad for Bob Kane. Like, all of a sudden, Bob Kane is, like, the worst villain ever. Like, he's not. Like, this is a whole other podcast for it. But look how DC and the, the industry, like, screwed over so many creators, like, you know, Siegel and Schuster and stuff. Like, if you were Bob Kane, you had a fight for and tooth and nail for every little thing because they were going to run you over like they did so many other creators. But, you know, he had uh, some unkind words for Bob Kane. I remember he, he compared Bob yeah. Kane to Donald Trump and said he reminds me of Donald Trump. He talked about how Bob Kane had um, like lambasted his assistant because he forgot to put created by Bob Kane in one of the in one comic book. Talked about, you know, how calling up Bill Finger's granddaughter. So happy that his Bill Finger's name was on the um, Batman v Superman intro movie and stuff, which he said that Stan Lee was uh, one of two brilliant editors he had worked for. And I'll, I'll throw this back to you, Rob. The thing, like growing up as a kid, you know, I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s and 90s. The, our grandparents' generation, which is where Denny O'Neill and Stan Lee came from, 
our grandparents did not understand comics. They didn't like comics. They thought it was like kids' stuff. They, mm-hmm. You never saw anyone from that generation say, oh, I love comics. Now, our parents' generation, they still had those people like, why are you wasting your time with this kid stuff? But there were definitely people in our parents' generation who were like, oh, yeah, I loved Superman in the 50s. I loved, you know, Adam West, Batman. I loved, you know, this, you know Christopher Reeve, Superman in the, the 80s. I used to read comics. And, you know, and now our generation and the generations that come, there's so many. But, you know, Denny O'Neill and Stan Lee were like a rarity for that grandparent generation to have liked comics and champion comics did you feel the same way that he was sort of like the grandpa of batman kind of yeah i did and there was just something that i was like if this guy likes it and i don't mean anything bad by saying it but thinking in my young mind if this old guy is telling me that batman's cool and he cares about this that much batman must really be cool or this guy wouldn't be telling me it's not like You'd have some people like, dude, this is just a job. You know, <laughs> I I really don't like moving refrigerators and washers. I, this is just what pays the bills. And that might have started it for him. But by the time our generation is coming along, you could hear the passion in it. So I was just like, yeah. But his, his answers were so amazing because it's funny. After like 31 minutes, he's like, uh, you guys got a question for me? And it's like, <laughs> there, there's no spe- – I don't know how you and Ryan are editing this because there's not a lot of like <laughs> pauses to you know like edit and it goes all over the place. Like, But the thing that struck me is everything he talked about and everything he said, you could tell he was a writer first. Like it was all from – a writer's perspective or mm-hmm. like spun like the way a writer would tell like everyone else would be like yeah I was in a car accident in Pennsylvania he's like I love Pennsylvania in the winter time but when the blizzard's on the outside and I'm on the inside but then we had to drive through Pennsylvania and my eyes were getting heavy and my wife said she couldn't drive and I knew it like it's just so like like I'm reading a novel how he's telling the story how he was in this this car accident in uh, Pennsylvania and he approached it you know so much from that that writer's perspective of things which i thought was really cool and it's kind of funny in the beginning you can hear us giggling a lot like he'll say something and we're like like a couple of school girls like we're talking to the (laughs) we're talking to the captain of the football team it's it's really funny yeah yeah I, i remember just coming away from the interview that even if all of our questions weren't answered i i didn't care like you said they're the stories that he was telling were were just enough for the quote unquote price of admission. So that Ryan was able to put that together. Cause I even remember the text him saying, Hey, uh, I'm finalizing the, the idea or the, the details, but I think I've lined up an interview with Denny O'Neill. And I was like, you know, pulling my leg. Like, yeah, I didn't necessarily, I, not that I didn't be- believe it, but I was like, okay, where, where, where's the punchline? You know, like I, he's like, no, seriously, th- this is going to happen. So I remember thinking like, I- I'm working, you know, it's going to be, I can't remember exactly what part of the the day it was or what part of the week. And I'm just like, I'm working. He's like, well, we really can't, you know, make him adjust the schedule. We've got to go to where he is. And I remember talking to my wife. I'm like, I, I can't not do this, you know? Yeah. Even if it's just a, I'm going to ask one question and that's it. 
I don't even care if I get to ask anything. I just want to be able to hear him talk. If it was just he and Ryan, it's like, okay, you guys get to listen, but you can't say anything. I would have been like, okay, I'll mute my mic. I'll, I'll just listen and I'll text you questions or something like that. So that was, that was pretty cool to do to just hear him. Like you said, stories that he's told before, uh, probably a million times in all those interviews and everything we've heard, but that he was talking to us, I think was really kind of special and, uh, really cool and did you have any other stories or issues that you liked or just um any other thoughts about denny that you had i don't know i just feel really lucky to have gotten to like have a personal connection by sitting in my room here and listening to him on a skype call live for about two hours or so and just you know like it's pretty monumental his work in the the comics and the comic book industry especially the comics that I loved so much, those, you know, late 80s, mid 90s, Batman Family, Robin, Nightwing, you know, Detective, Shadow of the Bat series. So it's it's just was a pretty awesome experience. And um, it's uh, it was really, really sweet in the interview and in other interviews that I've heard him talk about how much he loved his wife and how mm-hmm. they met when they were kids and how then they were apart for 20 years and he he was married and had kids and she was married and had kids and then they met back together and you know their kids became friends and they had this just you know like second chance love affair and so when i heard that he had passed away it was kind of you know bittersweet and sad that he was gone but you know, hopefully he's reunited in a better place with his wife somewhere and they can, you know, be together forever. And, you know, so that that was my kind of final thought on it. Yeah. And it's just one of those that it's it's been a name that has just been in all of the books. I mean, all the books that we're going to talk about on this show, Denny's name is is in it throughout. And one of the 80th anniversary specials, a book that Terrence and Ryan and I were planning on talking about that somebody picked up that maybe at some point the three of us will still talk about was the detention comics issue that uh, was drawn by Norm Brayfogle and written by Denny O'Neill that was a Tim Drake Robin-led story. So that was the only one of its kind that he wrote a single solo Tim Drake story and it fit right in with you know everything that was going on at the time. But uh, just the, the body work as we've been talking, I've just been scrolling through the Wikipedia page and just the list of his credentials and, and credits, you know, starting at Charlton Comics, and then the DC section is huge marvel uh the series of graphic novels that he's done his novels he ended up retiring from the editor the chief editor for dc and then went into just writing novels so there's a whole list of those fiction and non-fiction and then essay works that he's done television the demon's quest episode for batman the animated series was written by him and co-written by uh, uh lee ween so there's just all kinds of stuff that is like his legacy is going to continue on for you know a millennia or better and rightfully so this was just a, an episode we wanted to be able to to put together and just share some thoughts We've kind of said before, if you have the Batman Mount Rushmore, what faces are going to be on there? Uh, this is one of the the top faces that are, that's going to be on that Mount Rushmore Batman for for ages to come, and is one that people can probably get close to, but I don't think anybody's really going to get to that level that Denny O'Neill 
had, especially once he became like editor, there was this real cohesiveness with the bat titles in the late eighties and early nineties that just had this huge universe that was going on. That is part of why this show exists in the first place is due to Denny O'Neill's work. So although in the Batman universe, everything somehow it's like six degrees of Kevin (laughs) Bacon or whatever. It's like, I think everyone in the, Batman universe is six degrees separation from Denny O'Neill. Probably <laughs> most is just one degree, but Clinton from, was it the, oh, Clinton Robinson from the Coffee and Comics podcast. Yep. All right. Uh, that is our episode 114 where you guys reviewed Showcase 93. Yes. How the heck do you not like the Red Nightwing New 52 outfit? That is a cool looking costume. It I looks know. good in action <laughs> figures. It looks good as a pop hero. I have a metallic one in pop hero. It's it looked good on Chris O'Donnell in Batman and Robin. One of the few good things uh, you know about that movie. Like I never heard anybody criticize you know the Nightwing costume in that outfit. I I don't know what. Oh man, I don't know what he was talking about here. Clinton, put that coffee down. This is crazy. <laughs> He's had too much coffee. I loved it. And I think, I mean, I like the blue. I don't get me wrong, but there was something about the red that that directly ties into his time as robin i think it's it's very fitting that all of the former robins would have something red on it except the brown bomber you know and one other thing i wanted to add before we sign off 12 days ago as of this recording on june 2nd we got a five-star review on apple podcasts so i wanted to just take a second and say thank you to ll pdv and his um what he wrote for us um, was everyone, or I should say, maybe she, I don't know. I don't want to assume. We've, we've gotten in trouble with that before with <laughs> people where we assumed. But LLPVV writes, everyone loves Rob Myers, exclamation point. <laughs> this show, and I'm not even making this up, Rob. This is true. It says, this show is just a wonderful love letter to the greatest sidekick in history. The boy wonder himself could not have done a better job honoring his own legacy. Rob and the crew show their passion with every show. I cannot wait to listen to the next episode. Just a fantastic show. So thank you for that review. Well, like Seinfeld, we're going out on a high note. That's the show. <laughs> yep. So this is where we'll end the show. And uh, thank you, Denny, for all the uh, wonderful, wonderful many years of uh, comics and uh, that we are going to still continue to enjoy on this show. So tune in a couple weeks for our next installment, getting back to the 90s era of Tim Drake and then a future episode for the 80th anniversary of robin on the behalf of terrence this is rob and rest in peace denny o'neill you've been listening to the batmanuniverse.net more importantly you've been listening to robin everyone loves a drake take care bye thanks for listening to robin everyone loves the drake podcast this has been brought to you by the batmanuniverse.net tim drake robin and all batman related characters are under copyright of dc comics This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. 
And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Take care.